We're reading from James 2, verses 14 to 26. This is James writing. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. It's the word of the Lord in James chapter 2. You can have a seat. So my name is Justin Gottlieb, as, as Tim kindly said, um, and it's a real joy to get to to worship uh, the risen Christ with you today. Um, It's also a joy to get to open up the scriptures with you today. Um, Back in 2006, my wife Mariah and I showed up at Seven Mile Road for the first time, so it was Edgeworth Church back then. Uh, But our hearts have been captivated by uh, the, the Lord that has birthed this particular congregation, this particular church family, um, and the mission before us to love and lead uh, New Englanders to the real Jesus for years and years and years. So we count it as a great joy to get to be here with you. Count it as a great privilege uh, to get to pursue Christ with you and to love our neighbors uh, with you. So as Tim said, my, uh, my work here, a lot of the times I don't get to see everyone here. I know a bunch of you, but I don't get to see you all the time, but my heart is with you. Um, we feel compelled, um, Mariah and I in particular, to, to give ourselves to see to seeing these local churches flourish and reach their neighbors so that more and more people can know Jesus. And so um, I do whatever I can towards that end. And today it happens to be getting to stand here and open the Bible with you. Um, it's, but other times it gets to be other things like uh, work through giving statements and letters and helping Jacob and helping Levi with Life Explored and those kind of things. Uh, I get to be a part of uh, the launch and the and coaching some of our church planners in Kenny Bunk and in Waltham and in Hyannis that's coming up and in Malden. And so just want you to know that I love you. I don't get to see you all the time, but I'm hyped to be with you today. And I'm so hyped to be here with you today that I want to tell you about a 61-year-old limo driver in California who goes by the name Mad Mike Hughes. Anybody here know Mad Mike Hughes? No? Okay, it's going to be a really special moment right now. Um, So he's a limo driver slash self-taught rocket scientist who built a rocket from scrap metal and launched it from a modified mobile home on March 26, 2018. I'm going to slow down right there. He built a rocket from scrap metal 
and launched it from a modified mobile home on March 26, 2018. This is real. There's YouTube videos. Um, there's all that. Don't go there now, though, Lauren. Don't go to YouTube right now. Just wait until later. Mad Mike has a long-term plan. See, this wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. This wasn't impulsive. He has a long-term plan to launch himself high enough into the atmosphere that he can take pictures of the earth and prove that it is, in fact, flat. So Mad Mike believes in the flat earth theory, and he believes it so much, he believes it so much, that he heated up 70 gallons of water, hot, hot enough to launch himself 1,875 feet into the air, while inside this homemade steam-powered rocket that took off from said modified multiple home. For those keeping score, his assistant, whose name is and had to be Waldo Stakes, so Waldo Stakes estimated that Mad Mike was traveling at about 350 miles an hour, and as the Washington Post reported, his previous failed attempts, as well as the successful one on Saturday, are all part of his ultimate goal to propel himself at least 52 miles above Earth by the end of the year. I don't think he met that goal. And to prove once and for all that the planet is flat. Now, of course, right now you're wondering why I'm telling you any of this. And there's two reasons. The first one is it's really fun. Like, you should see your faces right now. This is fun. The second reason I'm telling you this is because Mad Mike Hughes gives us a great and somewhat outrageous example of what it looks like when someone believes in something. See, Mad Mike believes in a flat earth. He also believes that he's not getting accurate information about the earth's shape from those that have real information. And so he's taking action. Mad Mike has so much faith, he's taking action. See, when you believe in something, it causes you to follow it up with your hands, with your money, and with your time. Now, I'm going to completely refrain from comment on the whole flat earth thing. But I do want us to all see that when we have faith in something, it drives us to action. It just does. Mad Mike believes in the flat earth, and he believes it enough that he has got to go take a picture of it himself. Even if that means he's got to build his own rocket, right? Like, he's got to do it. So when we believe in something, it causes us to work. Now, after today's sermon, we're going to be nearing the halfway point in the series in James. And it's very important to James, as you guys have heard so far and you'll continue to hear, that we be doers of the word and not only hearers. And he wrote that in James uh, 1, chapter tw- uh, verse 22. And he's very concerned throughout the whole thing that God, about how our faith in God intersects with how we live. Hence the title, Faith and Works. Now in today's passage, he uses two words to help define the issue. Faith and works. He uses faith to describe belief in God. More specifically, belief in Jesus. You should get that. Belief in Jesus. And he uses works to describe the working out of that belief, like acts of love, acts of mercy, just basic obedience to Jesus. Basically, faith equals belief in God, and works equals actions done in obedience to God. Everybody got that? 
And we're going to talk about how those things can intersect. Before we do that, before we dig into uh, the text, let's pray for a moment. Spirit of God, I pray that in this time, you would help us to see clearly the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would learn about your character, about who you are, about what you've done, and that that we would be shaped by that, we would be transformed by new life in you, Jesus. Spirit, I pray you would keep us from foolishness, you would help us discern your will, and that you would uh, grow faith in us today. Would you please do that? Would you please hear these prayers? Amen. All right, we're going to pick up in James chapter 2, verse 14. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to give you just a second to open it up. I think we're also going to have it up here. Um, so you check a second. You good? We're good. All right, let's go. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So from the jump, James is getting after the serious question here. And he says it straight up. Is it a good thing if you have faith, but don't have works from that faith? Is that a good thing? Is it good for you? And is it good for others? Is it good for those around you? Now, this question, of course, is rhetorical. He's not asking you to answer it aloud right now, so much as he's making a point for you to consider. Most of us would agree that if your faith isn't moving you to do something, then it's empty faith, right? That's not a hard argument, right? If I have belief in something, but it's not moving me, then it's empty. And James follows up by asking, can that kind of faith in Jesus save you? Can that faith save him? Does that kind of faith, the kind that talks a lot, but doesn't move at all, does it save you? Now, we we ought to be careful here as well, because James isn't questioning for a second whether faith in Jesus saves. He's questioning whether someone that just talks about faith without ever living it out actually has faith. So in other words, James is differentiating between saving faith and saying faith. Now, I have a a little bit of a messed up Arkansas accent, so I'm going to say that again. And you guys try to hear, there's a difference between the V and the Y when I say it. Okay? I'm going to to concentrate. James differentiates between saving faith and saying faith. You got that? I'm calling one. Well, actually, we'll just go. He gives us an example of saying faith. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? This is saying faith. Saying faith talks a lot, but doesn't move when it should move. Saying faith just talks to someone in need, but doesn't give them any food or clothes. Saying faith benefits no one. Like no one, nobody. It doesn't benefit the person who needs food, right? Because they got to talk about their problem but didn't get 
it resolved, right? And it doesn't benefit the person who has it because it's just talk. Saying faith is not saving faith. And James says in verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is dead. Um, Saying faith, aka faith by itself, is dead. Saying faith is not saving faith. It tells you it's one thing, but it's another. It tells you it's one thing, but it's actually another. A while back, I bought a jersey of a favorite athlete of mine, and this thing was beautiful. All right, it was the exact design I wanted, the exact, everything about it was, was what I wanted. Plus, it was made by a company that was made um, by a, a company known for making great nostalgia jerseys. And even more, it was a good price because it was used. I found it on eBay. Everything about this jersey told me I was going to love it. So, I bought it. Now, I'm somebody, if you know me very well, I'm not someone that doesn't like a lot of surprises. Um, so, I'm the guy that if I'm going to a game or a, a concert or something, I'm always on the 3D seat viewer. You know how they make that thing available and you wonder who uses that? Well, it's me. Because I, I just don't want a surprise. I want to know how this whole thing's going down. And so because of that weird wiring in me, and because this jersey was so great, I kept looking around on the internet for more details on it, even after I had purchased it. This jersey was so great that there had to be like others out there. There's no question in my mind. Um, but I couldn't find any. So eventually I got really suspicious and emailed the company, the manufacturer of the jersey, and said, did you ever make this jersey? To which they replied, quote, we actually have yet to make this player. So if you see any, they would be counterfeits. So once the jersey arrived in the mail... I noticed some things about the jersey that confirmed that it was, in fact, counterfeit. Um, It was fake. And so what looked great online didn't look great in person. The numbers on the front were off-centered. It's a true story. They had worked really hard on their pictures. The tags did not look like something that the league responsible for this would actually sign off on. Like, I'm not sure that my grade school kids would sign off on. But they didn't didn't zoom in on that. It no longer mattered what the seller of this jersey said online or in the emails after, and there were emails. This jersey was a fake, right? The listing could claim to be from Mitchell and Ness. The tag on the jersey even had the word authentic written on it. It was authentic something. But what it said did not matter because the actual product was counterfeit. It was counterfeit. And its maker confirmed this to be so. The jersey said thing, one thing, said it was one thing, but it was another. Now that all was revealed, the jersey was dead to me. It's so far away from being what it claimed to be that it was dead. James tells us the same thing regarding the faith that doesn't have works. The same thing. Saying faith is not even close to saving faith. It's just not. They're so far apart that saying faith is in all actuality dead. It's done. Saying faith is not saving faith. He moves forward in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. 
you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? It's almost as if James can hear the objection and the objector against the point that he just made. You guys hear that? He's having a conversation with somebody. See, you have faith, he says, and I have works. The objector says that. The setup here is the insinuation that faith can be separate from works and works can be separate from faith. James is not having any of that. He challenges them by replying, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. It simply doesn't work this way according to James. No matter how we try it, no matter how we try to justify it, faith and works go together. They're not, they're not separate. They can't be pulled apart. Mariah, my wife Mariah and I, we lived in a, an apartment, a third floor apartment in Malden for over eight years. And our landlord, who's much older than us, would always love it when Mariah would take her baked goods because that's what you do if Mariah bakes food. You just like love it. And as she would begin to eat these, eat anything, um, she would always say this, guaranteed she would say this, It's delicious and it's calorie free, right? She would always say that. And we would always laugh. Um, In fact, if we took something this afternoon, she would say it. She's saying it as a joke, of course, right? We know that. Because she knew that baked goods are never calorie free. You can either have the brownie with the calories, or you cannot have the brownie. But you can never have a calorie free brownie, right? Or at least not one you really want to have. James' argument regarding faith and works is similar. He says, let's stop it with pretending you get to have the brownie with no calories. If you don't have the brownie, then you don't have the calories. There is no calorie-free brownie, and there is no faith without works. All right? Now, of course, the objection to this is someone who says, I believe with my mind, and that is faith. That's the objection. But James goes even harder at this saying, even the demons believe and shudder. That's heavy. He's telling the objector that mental agreement, just mental agreement, mental assent, that God exists, that Jesus is is real, is not faith. He says even Satan and even his demons agree that God is there. They know that he's real. But that's not comforting to them. They shudder at Him because they don't live in accordance with Him. See what I mean? They're not denying the existence of God. They know He's there. They just don't live in accordance with God. See, simply agreeing that God is real does not equal faith. And it for sure does not equal saving faith. So James asks, do you want to be shown And he says, you foolish person. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then he starts to show us a couple examples of faith in the Bible. Faith that is justified by works. That's what he does in the rest of this. In the first example, he speaks of Abraham. Abraham, we're told in Genesis 15, 6, believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God's promise 
to give him a child. And the Lord saw that faith. And it says, Abraham believed that God had faith. And, and it, sounded, um, it sounds like he was all set, right? If you hear that, it just says he believed. And it sounds like he's all set. But in James 2.21 and 23, we read this. Was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Here's the condensed story. God promised Abraham, a 90-year-old with no children and a barren wife, a child through whom all the world would be blessed. Abraham believed him, and as we heard here, it was counted to him as righteousness. God gave him Isaac, and Isaac grew to be a young man. At this point, God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And as you can imagine, This was the most terrible thing he could be asked to do. But Abraham trusted God and climbed the mountain, built the altar, tied up his son, and just as he was about to sacrifice him, the Lord stepped in and provided a ram to sacrifice instead. That's the story. So why is James pointing us to that now? Why in the world is he doing that? It's to show us that faith and works go together. See, Abraham believed the Lord in Genesis 15.6. And his faith was saving faith. That faith was made clear and grown by his obedient action to the Lord. That's why James writes that Abraham's faith was completed. It was fulfilled by his works. See, his faith wasn't only his belief. It wasn't only his mental assent. And his faith wasn't only his works, right? It wasn't, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it was completed by his works. It wasn't only his works. James says it like this in verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Abraham's faith and Abraham's works are all part of his belief in God. All part of it. Abraham's faith is active as he obeyed God with his works. And Abraham's faith was completed when he obeyed God by trusting him with his only son, Isaac. And as a result, Abraham is called a friend of God. Man, that's the kind of thing you want said, right? A friend of God. Let's keep moving on. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. See, in between the example of Abraham and his next example, James, and his next example, James reiterates his point. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith. If I haven't made it clear enough already, I want to be very clear now. James is not saying, he's not saying that you can be justified by works. You cannot obey your way to salvation. That's not how this works. Right? You can be a part of every charity 5K around. 
You can serve in every community event. You can teach after-school programs for free. You can have people in your home for dinner every night. You can make clothes for people that don't have clothes. You can do a million other things. But all of those works won't get you to be a friend of God. They won't do it. Without faith. They won't do it without faith. See, faith is essential. James is committed to us knowing that faith can't be like a 10-year-old boy at a school dance alone by itself in the corner. Faith and works go together. If faith and works aren't together, then there's a breakdown where the faith isn't right faith or the works aren't right works. And he gives us one last example in this passage. Here's the short story on Rahab. When God's people had left Egypt and were preparing to enter the promised land, they sent spies into Jericho to check things out. They needed to figure out what was going on in the city and all this stuff. So these spies stayed at an inn uh, that happened to be owned by Rahab. Um, Not good things happened at this inn. Word got to the king that there were some spies around and that they were around Rahab's place. And so the king tells Rahab she needs to hand the men over. Rahab told the king, king's men, that they had already left her place and that the king should send his men out to find them. So she said, they're not here. You've got to go find them quickly. So they took off. But then she took the spies to the roof and hid them until it was safe for them to leave. Now why did she do this? Why did she do this? Here are the words of, of Rahab that explain it. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. I've heard this, she says. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings. And she goes on, and as soon as we heard it, as soon as we heard it, Our hearts melted. Our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. This was the words of Rahab. She came to faith. Like somehow in the midst of all this, she came to faith and her works matched up with her faith. Her faith in who God is and what He was doing pressed her to do this. You can hear it in there. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, if this is is a profession of faith, for the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. According to James, Rahab did the work of providing safe passing to the Lord's people because she believed in God. Faith and works. You guys see that? Faith and works. It was simple. And for what it's worth, Rahab became the great, 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 a bunch more great grandmother of Jesus. Man. James ends this section of, of, of his letter writing, verse 26, for, the, for as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
That's a pretty simple and clear way of saying what we've been pressing at this whole morning. Just like a body with no spirit is dead, faith with no works is dead. And that leaves us all with a question to answer this morning. And it is, what kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you have? Is your faith about talk or about action? Is your faith immature or is your faith completed by the way you live in obedience to God? Using some examples of of James here, does your faith clothe and feed the poor or does it send them away with a verbal blessing only? Does your faith put everything on the line because you just have to obey God? Which is it? And let's be honest here. James tells us that this conversation matters. Like, hopefully you see that. This is the big part of his, ser- of, of his letter. It's a big part of the sermon series. It's him saying this conversation matters. It matters whether we have saying faith or saving faith. If you and I believe in Jesus Christ, then our lives must be different. They must be. Faith demands action. So when you look at your calendar, does it show a life of faith in God? When you open your banking app, does it show a life of faith in God? When you think about your relationships with your coworkers and with your neighbors, do they show a life of faith in God? Is your life marked by faith that's being completed by works? If we're honest, none of us are nailing this 100%. There's always, there's always in our best moments that little bit of unbelief, right? But get this. Here's our good news. Jesus did live the perfectly faithful life completed by works. That's the good news this morning. It's the good news every morning. See, Jesus fed people who were hungry. He didn't just send them away, right? Jesus gave up His clothes for folks that needed to be covered. Jesus obeyed God when it put His own life on the line. Jesus trusted God to raise Him from the dead. So He went to the cross for you and for me. Jesus trusted God that much to raise Him from the dead. Seven Mile Road. That's our Savior. That's our Savior. Everything that you and I should have said yes to, Jesus actually did. And everything that you and I should have said no to, Jesus actually did. And after He did that, He died on the cross for all of our sins. Everyone that I've committed. Everyone you've committed so that we can be friends of God. So that we can be friends of God. Let's pray. Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us see the beauty of Christ. You would help us to see His life, His fulfillment of all that we were called to. Fulfillment of all Your promises. 
Would you help us to trust not in ourselves, but in you? Would you help us to not earn your favor, but instead to receive it humbly as undeserving, undeserving people who are loved by a great, great God? Would you do that? I pray that you would grow us up in our faith, that you would grow us up, that our faith would drive us to work, never for work's sake, but out of freedom, out of the freedom of following you and knowing that we're loved and we're called to greater things. So would you please, Lord, bring about repentance where it's needed, have us turn away from sin, have us courageously pursue you. I pray you would do this for your glory, for our joy and for the good of those that you've sent us to. Please hear our prayers this morning. Amen.